Hello everyone, today we are going to talk about Plato and especially Plato on war. What does Plato say about war in one of the most important philosophical book ever published called The Republic? The Republic is a book that once read would always beckon the reader back to itself. It addresses fundamental questions regarding the soul and the city. And the most fundamental question of all, what is justice? But we do not look at the Republic to discuss its definition of justice per se. Our focus is on the discussion of war in the book. War is very briefly discussed in the Republic. But it is impossible to think that Plato did not have war in mind while writing it. In ancient Athens, most of the citizens were also soldiers, so their perceptions of justice and politics in general were not like ours. They did not think about the war as an exclusive issue like a passive observer commenting upon just the horrors of war. Their discussion in the assembly, as can be seen in Thucydides' account in his history of the Peloponnesian War, were marked by a holistic view of things. Socrates himself was a soldier who fought on the Athenian side, which means that whatever he says about the war is derived from his own experiences. After all, he was the wisest man of Athens. He discusses in the Republic the prime cause of war, the nature of the guardian class, and its implications on interstate conflicts. What does he have to say about war? As everyone knows in the Republic, Plato creates a city-soul analogy that would allow the reader to observe justice written in large letters, i.e. the city. And once it has been established in the city, Socrates will apply the same methodology to the soul. Socrates first of all begins with the construction of the ideal city and reaches a stage where everyone does what he is good at making the city self-sufficient because they have all the necessities required to live a good life. There is no discussion of war until this step. When a city is self-sufficient, it means that it does not require to look elsewhere to fulfill its needs. Hence, the citizens will live happily and harmoniously. Self-sufficiency is equivalent to a peaceful, harmonious city. But citizens are not happy with just bread and cobbling services. They require luxurious goods to add spice to their lives. But citizens are not happy with just bread and cobbling services, they require luxurious goods to add spice to their lives, to make their lives more pleasurable. To acquire luxurious goods, the city would require more skilled workers and more resources to fulfill its pleasure-related needs. Socrates then says, a self-sufficient, harmonious city must be working at its full capacity to sustain social order which means that it would require resources from other cities to fulfill its pleasure-related needs. This overextension of needs is the prime because of war, according to Socrates. Human egoism and greed for luxury and wealth disrupt the internal harmony and everyone starts to look at others who have more, who have excess wealth. Therefore, Plato considers social maldevelopment, especially the maldevelopment of appetitive desire, to be the main cause of war. How many wars have been fought over oil resources in our age? And how many wars have been waged simply to gain territories in the name of sick ideologies? Since waging wars require soldiers, in the second book of the Republic, Socrates outlines the main character traits that are required in a guardian class to wage a war. He speaks about four characteristics that are necessary for a guardian to cultivate. He begins with the most obvious one, courage. 
No one can become a soldier unless he is extremely courageous and committed to defend his homeland. Then secondly, he talks about speed or alertness. Discussion of speed takes Socrates to an important notion of specialization. It is a theme we see present throughout the book. A good cobbler is someone who practices and specializes in cobbling. A good weaver is someone who practices and specializes in weaving. In the same way, a good guardian is someone who always practices and specializes in combating, which requires segregation of the military class from the main citizen body and constant military practice. It was something that the Spartans did really well, while Socrates was highlighting this point. They had recently defeated Athens in a major war, which means that specialized military class was obligatory if one had to win a war. The third thing that Socrates highlights as one of the main characteristics of the guardian class is spirit. He postulates that if we train our soldiers to efficiently win wars by killing and pillaging people, how do we stop them from killing their own men? In other words, how can we ensure that the military class does not start a civil war? The problem before Socrates is a subtle one. How to make sure that someone trained in killing people can at the same time be trained to not kill some people, that is to say his own fellow citizens. Here he gives the example of the nature of dogs. Dogs are faithful to their masters and attack anyone who attacks their master. They are loyal to the people who feed them and are at the same time ferocious against the people who do not feed them. The guardian class must equip themselves with this kind of spirit. They must unconditionally love their fellow citizens, but must be ruthless to every other citizen. You might be thinking, here is the greatest philosopher talking and yet there is no mention of philosophy. Worry not. The most important characteristic of the guardian class is that they are lovers of wisdom. Socrates claimed that it is the learning of philosophy that would allow the guardians to properly identify the limits of warfare. It would give the guardians the correct perspective of things, help them identify their proper enemy and distinguish their own fellow citizens from others clearly. These are the four characteristics outlined in the Republic that every guardian must possess. Philosophy, spirit, speed and courage. Plato does not directly talk about interstate conflicts that we are seeing unfolding before our eyes, but his overall position on justice as harmony gives us some key elements that can help us understand his hypothesis regarding international relations, or to put it precisely, peace in international relations. In politics, harmony is the final objective of the policymakers. In a state, harmony can be achieved through law and order imposed through legitimate force. But in the international system, there is no overriding rule of law. Every state acts as it sees fit. There are laws of warfare, genocide and armaments. But ideologically, states function in the international arena on the principle of realpolitik, which in simple terms means might is right. The most powerful state has the right, by virtue of its strength, to do whatever it wants. In such a lawless arena, what does Plato suggest states should do to maintain harmony in the world? In the fifth book of the Republic, Plato says that disorder is the greatest evil of all. Juxtaposing this claim with the fact that human egoism and greed are the prime motivator of disorder, the Platonic argument becomes quite simple. Every state should be attentive that it is not doing too much and going too far. Whether it be public opinion or the opinion of the ruling class, the only question one should ask before going to war is, are we stepping out of limits? It is one of the simplest questions to ask and the most difficult to answer. 
One, somehow we could come up with an intellectual calculus that could answer this question rationally even if the international domain remains lawless. We would have a sustainable, peaceful and harmonious world order. Everyone knows that it seems unattainable because hardly has anyone found a corrective for greed and egoism.